It just, you know, it, I was telling Bethany this morning, um, it is such a blessing to me. You know, I spend a week studying a passage, just pursuing God, wanting to know, you know, obviously what He wants to communicate to our body through what we're studying. And and so, you know, you do that all week, and then Sunday morning I get up and I spend time with the Lord, and He can just confirms everything. All of, all the stuff I read today was right in line with what God has for us today. So I'm excited about today. Um, I, I want to I want to start off with this. If you're, if you're new with us, um, we're studying the book of Exodus, and, and our purpose in that is um, reading this story, looking and putting ourselves in the place of Moses and Aaron, and, and asking God what His call for us is as a body, but also individually to join Him in the work of setting people free, uh, and the freedom that it, you know obviously is the freedom in Christ, the freedom from from legalism, uh, freedom from dead religion, freedom from uh, you know, modern day slavery or racism, all of those things that bind people up. We want to, to join God as he would lead uh, each of us and corporately to, to follow his, his guidance so that we can help people to understand the freedom that we have come to experience in Christ, right? As I was preparing this week, I read a couple of different things today. And so it, let, me, let me start with this. I I spent probably the first half or first year of my marriage with my wife laughing at me. And I'll, let me explain that. Okay, <laughs> we, we moved in right. We got married. We moved into some townhouses at LC. And you know, the, the, if you've ever been in those, a lot of you have. Downstairs is the living room, kitchen. Upstairs is the bedroom. And I like to do difficult things quickly. Okay, it's just how I'm wired. And so I don't take stairs one at a time like normal people. I take them two at a time at a, at a sprint. Okay, which typically meant that I fell. Like. We'd be in the apartment here, and it was because Will's an idiot and was running up the stairs. But that's that's just how my brain works. I, I if there's something that's difficult, I want to just push through it as fast as I can, gain as much momentum as I can, and just power through it and get it over with. For me, that feels like less exertion than just you know the monotonous one at a time. Who does that? That's weird. Okay, <laughs> my okay. But look, that works for me. That works for me because that's how I like to do things. Glenn and I meet pretty much weekly. Um, he, you know, obviously he's been mentoring me this first half of this year, just kind of, you know, me figuring out what it looks like for me to be uh, a pastor at the church, but also work a full-time job. And so we just talk through a lot of things. And, and I find myself all the time wanting to, to do these long recaps and, and, and spend a lot of time talking about what we've already talked about. And my, my reason behind that is because I want so badly for everyone that's a member of our church to be in the same place at the same time. And Glenn keeps telling me, Willie, you, you can't push people into this. Obviously, the Holy Spirit's got to do that work. I know that, right? I, I understand that. But I want us to all be experiencing as much of God as we possibly can. And, and look, I, I want to be honest. I, it's not my desire to drag or to push anybody into anything, right? Because Have you ever tried to bait a cat? Anybody? Okay, like you go to put the cat in the water, and it's just... Bathing my daughter Charlie is a lot like bathing a cat. Okay, you, you you go put her in there. She she doesn't want to do anything I want to do ever. Like she's a redhead. She's three. It's it's a bad combo. So I go you know we try to put her in the tub and it's a wrestling match to get her in the bath. And then when she's in the bath, it's a wrestling match to get her out of the bath. I didn't know you could grip the side of the bathtub with your toes. Okay, <laughs> but you can. Okay, it, it's crazy. All right, so. 
I don't want this to be our experience, right? I don't want you to feel like I'm shoving you in or dragging you out of anything. I want the Holy Spirit to do that work in your life. So here's what I want to do today. I want to share two passages real quick with you to kind of to let the Holy Spirit figure out where you are and, and identify that for you, okay? Because I don't know where you are. And I certainly, if I don't know where you are, I don't know where you think you are in that process. Okay? That's between you and God. But I read these two passages this week in my quiet time. The first one, I read the book of Jonah this week. In verse uh, 1 through 3 in chapter 1, it says this. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of, I'm not going to say it, but I messed it up. Maybe I should have written that earlier. Say, okay, this is what God says to him. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up from before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah very clearly hears God's call on his life. He hears the message that God has for the people of Nineveh and he runs from it. Okay? And then later in the week I read this passage. This is out of Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 through 18. And this is, this is Paul. He says, I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And that and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So we see two opposite ends of the spectrum. Jonah hears God's voice, he hears the message that God has for a group of people, and he runs from that. And if you read the book of Jonah, there's a lot of emotion for Jonah to hide into that. And we find ourselves in that same place. As God speaks a word from us, sometimes our response is, no, no, I don't want to do that. And we run. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we see Paul, who, again, hears the voice of the Lord. He knows the message he's proclaimed. And he is willing to put it all on the line for the sake of that message. His uh, his message is resounding, yes, I will do it, even if it causes me to lose everything and go to prison. And then even when I'm in prison, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. So the prison guards are preaching the gospel on my behalf. I don't know where, where you fall in that spectrum. Okay? And you may not even know. And so here's what I want us to do. This morning, I have spent this week in, in Exodus chapter, 8, uh, chapter 14, and y'all, I am so in love with the text today. It's an iconic splitting of the Red Sea. Like, we've heard the story. And as I dug into it this week, the Lord just opened up so much. And, and before we even get into it this morning, I want to just take a moment for each of us to just pray. Let's just bow our heads. And I want you to ask God, just have a conversation. Say, God, in, in this spectrum, where do you see me? Not where do I see myself. Because we, a lot of times, are either too easy on ourselves or much too hard. But God, where do you see me in this process? And it's important for us to know that because when we're aware of where we are, then we can begin to hear what God wants us to do next, where we move from there. So would you please just bow your head with me this morning? I'm going to be silent for just a minute. Um, you guys just take a moment and pray, and I'll wrap this up, and then we're going to dig into our text. Okay, so let's just pray.
Lord, it is our desire as a body to know you. And to know you in a way that there is no doubt that it's you that's speaking. To know you in a way that we have the, the faith and confidence to say exactly what you call us to say and do exactly what you call us to. Father, I pray that this week that as we meditate on your words, we spend time with you, that we would fall so deeply in love with you. We can't help but share the goodness of who you are. Father, I ask that as we dig into your word today, you speak truth into our lives, Father, that not just go in one ear and out the other, but Father, that it would it would tear us apart. That it would it would reveal sin in our lives. It would bring joy and it would be hope and it would bring freedom. Freedom to know you and freedom to, to share the great things that you have for us. God, it's, it is for your name and for your glory that we ask these things. Amen. As I've told you guys before, I don't want us to get to the end of this study and be the same people that we were before we started. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. Because that's not why we gather. We gather to know Christ and know as well. Okay? I've loved this passage so much this week. We're going to jump in. Let me say this. Um, my voice is deeper today, not because I'm trying to be dramatic. I feel like I hit the throat of Wednesday night playing basketball with some 15 hours. So, alright. Now everybody knows. Okay? I went to work this week and somebody's like, are you sick? I said, no. Just got hit in the larynx. We're good. Alright. <laughs> Chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read this whole thing. Hang in there with us. Okay? Look, this is the Word of God. And, and as I've shared with you guys before, um, we're going to hear um, a lot more problems about that than you're going to hear from me. Hopefully that's going to be the case when we're going to get through this work. Um, before we start, if you would like an outline, Bethany has some of those in the back. Don't be afraid to get, get one of those. Um, so if you like to have that kind of thing. Also, hopefully it's in the app. I published earlier today. Maybe that might be different. So if you have the Faith Life app uh, and you pull up the, uh, the digital bulletin, it should be there. Okay? Alright, let's jump in. Exodus chapter 14. Just read along with me. It'll be a home screen as well. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihaki <laughs> between Migdal, that's how you say it, and the sea, and in front of Bahasikipan, that's also how you say it. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, for the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed towards the people. And they said, What is this that we have done? We have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariots, and he took his army with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out to fight them. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped by the sea. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us to die in the wilderness? Have you done this in, 
in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would be even be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord for which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it. That the people of Israel may get through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness. And it lit up the night without, without one coming near the other all night. And when Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, the watch, uh, in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that followed him into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and served Moses. What an incredible story. I love you caught it. The pillar of cloud and fire that the Egyptians have been following day and night. God leading them where he wanted them to be. He put them in a place between a mountain with their backs to the sea. And that's going to be really important for us to see in this moment. But I want us to understand God will put you in places where you must rely completely on Him. The nation of Israel has been running. I'm sure they're tired of going day and night. God puts them exactly where He wants them to be. And from a tactician standpoint, they are in a place of vulnerability. There is a mountain ahead of them which will be hard to scale and a sea behind them where there is nowhere to flee. Look, if we're going to be a people that 
that God can use to set other people free. We have to get to a place in our lives where we trust God, where we rely on Him. That is the prerequisite. We have to learn to trust God to do the work, not on our own ability to do something for Him. In these first two verses, we literally see God putting them in a place of vulnerability where they have to rely on Him. And so as I read this passage and I'm thinking through this for myself, I have to ask, am I willing to let God back me into a corner and then let me lean on Him in my own defense? Am I willing to let God do that in my life? Am I, am I willing to put my back to the ocean and let the enemy come and, and, let, and know that God is enough to take care of me? God makes it appear based on our human perception that they're boxed in, that they're back to the sea. And this gives Pharaoh a false impression of his ability to win because he sees it from the same perception. He gets, I got them. They're trapped. And so he splits his chariots and he surrounds them. Okay? But he doesn't know what's coming. As we follow God and letting him move in us, it's going to appear to believers and unbelievers, people in our lives, that the things that we're doing are illogical. From a standpoint of war, to put yourself in the position that Israel did, didn't make sense. And there are going to be things in our lives that God is going to call us to do, both individually and as people, that to the rest of the people in our lives, though they're well-meaning, are going to tell us we're crazy. I know that because I've been through that. Let me ask you this. Do you know God well enough to be able to trust Him? Do you know his voice well enough to know that this is him? And that when he asks you to do something that's a little bit out there, can you trust him? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line for the sake of his? Are you willing to put your reputation on the line for the sake of his? Look, we learned last week that God is about his people. God has done all of this. God created us. God is delivering Israel. This is our story. And he puts it all on the line for his people. And we know because we know the end of this story, right, that Christ is our example, put everything on the line for us. And if we're going to be a people that are going to join God to set others free, we have to be willing to put it all on the line for him. Because if we in any way diminish or manipulate or change the, the message that God has given us, then we're not leading people to freedom in Christ. We're leading them to slavery, to something else. The message has to be the one that God gives us. God is going to make himself known. In this, in this story, God very clearly says, if you look at, at, chapter, I mean at verse 4, he says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. God's whole purpose in this is to make sure that, that all of Egypt knows once and for all that he is God, not Pharaoh. That he is God, not any of the other Egyptian. God, little G's. God wants to make sure that they know who he is. Several weeks ago, Carrie and Kara um, came and shared their testimony about um, the, the foster and adoption process okay, that they've recently been through. And, and, and I was sharing with you guys after that that it's been a little bit strange for me that since I've been, been preaching, like a lot of my messages 
have been focused on suffering. And you guys agreed, yeah, that's been, been odd, okay? But I, I realized this week that I've been using the wrong term. It's not about suffering, okay? It's about dying to ourselves. And from a cultural standpoint, we consider that suffering. But if we look at it from God's perspective, that's not it at all. It's freedom. Because now we're not relying on ourselves, but we're relying on God. If we're going to join God, we have to be like God, and we've got to be about his people. But in order to do that, we have to die to ourselves. This is going to require that we allow God to use us in a way that we don't get the credit. God gets the credit. God makes himself known through his people. And we've talked so many times about that already. We looked at the, the passage in Colossians where it says that, that Christ in us is the hope of glory. God's, uh, his whole plan is for him to be known through what he does through his people. And we are those people. God is, is doing all of this work in the lives of Israel, to show Egypt who he is. And look, as we talk about joining God to set people free, it's easy to be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it, all right? We see Israel do the same thing. As they follow Moses, you know, after the, the Passover, they're like, woohoo, we're out of here. And, and they're in, in great favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. And now we see that that has changed. The Egyptians have seen what they've done, okay? It's easy to say, yeah, let's do it. But as soon as things get difficult... They, the people flip on Moses and God. Look, joining God to set people free means that in order for people to be free, we've got to give up some of our freedom. And by that freedom, I mean, and I'm doing air quotes if you're listening on a podcast, I'm talking about the fact that we perceive doing what we want as freedom. And that's not biblically what we see. This morning I was reading in Blackaby and it says, There is no Christianity without the cross. You cannot be a disciple without taking up your own cross. Sometimes the greatest cost will not be to you, but your loved ones, because they have not related to Jesus as you have, and therefore they do not understand. We have to realize that all the things that the world says are important aren't. They're not important. What job you have, will not change anyone's eternity. What car you drive will not change anyone's eternity. Where you live will not change anyone's eternity. The list can go on and on and on. But you know what does change someone's eternity? God. And God's plan is to use you to communicate that. Tozer this morning said this, it is doubtful whether we can be Christian in anything unless we are Christian in everything to obey Christ in one or two or ten instances and then in fear of consequences to back away and refuse to obey in another is to cloud our life with suspicion that we are only fair weather followers and not true believers at all to obey when it costs us nothing and refuse when the results are costly is to convict ourselves of moral trifling and gross insincerity. I don't know about you, but that's heavy for me. To choose to not obey because things get difficult makes the world look at us and say, they're not legit. This has all just been talk. God's plan to reveal himself to, his, to your friends, to your family, to your neighbors is you. And I'm not saying that to everyone else in the congregation. I'm saying that to you. The people in your life, the people that you love, the people that you do life with, God's plan for communicating his love 
is you. God's plan for Israel was to use Moses. And without Moses' willingness to do crazy things as God led, Israel would still be slaves. I don't know about you, but if I'm leading Israel and God says, lift up your staff and split the sea, I'm going, wait, what? That's not a thing. That's not a thing that happens, okay? But God does that, and he's going to give us all the evidence, if you will, that we need in order to, to prove that it is God that is doing these things in your life. This is how he does it with Moses and Aaron. He says to Moses and Aaron, do this thing. And they go, wait, are you sure? And God says, just do it. And they do, and people go, wow, look at this God. They don't say, look how great Moses and Aaron is. They say, look at what God just did. And, and this is how God wants to use you and I. He wants to speak to us, to give us direction, us to obey, and people to go, wow, look how incredible God is. And look, as we do that and things get crazy, we must keep our eyes on God and let him deal with the enemy. You need to ask yourself, where do you run when things get hard? When life gets crazy, where do you run? I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and I, I finally identified for myself, I like things. Like, I like nice things. I know I'm not alone in that. But I discovered something about myself. I discovered that when things get stressful, if I buy something, I get a momentary high and I don't feel stressed out anymore. And then that passes and I feel guilty and I fall right back into the cycle again. Because what I'm running to for, for relief is things and not God. What do you run to? I've shared with you guys before, I read a long time ago that, that I think it was Tozer that said that a, a sign of spiritual maturity is that when life gets hard, we run to God and not to anything else. And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. That's where I want to find myself. Verses 10 through 12, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? I love that. I love the sarcasm there. When Israel sees that Pharaoh is coming with every chariot he has at his disposal, they see the same circumstances that Pharaoh does. They see hopelessness. They say, here we are. We are not an army. We are men and women and children who are tired. And we have all the possessions of Egypt, all the cattle, all the sheep, all the goats. We took whatever we wanted. And now we're stuck with our back against the sea. And all of Pharaoh's army, which we've talked about, is the most, um, or the biggest, not the most, the biggest army, the most powerful army in that part of the world. And here they are, defenseless with their backs to the sea. And they see the same circumstances that Pharaoh does. And in the heat of the moment, it's like they forget completely all of the things that God had just done to get them to where they are. And look, I don't know about you, but I find myself in that same place. When life begins to get crazy, it's like I forget about who God is and the power that he has made available to us through his Holy Spirit. Look, their enemy finds them and surrounds them and is coming in for the kill. And Pharaoh thinks that he has already won. And so does Israel. Because it seems, based on their perception, that it is hopeless. People, this is the enemy's plan for us. He 
will see an area in our life where we're struggling and he will make it appear that we are surrounded and that there is no escape. And if we focus on what the enemy is doing, then he, he wins. The enemy's plan is to get us focused on the overwhelming circumstances instead of an almighty God who is in control of all of it. When life gets hard, it doesn't matter what it, what it is, if it's your marriage or if it's your job or if it's your kids or if it's your, your health, the enemy wants us to focus on that and on the idea that we're surrounded so that there is no escape. Black could be this morning again. Satan will try to convince you that obedience carries much too high a price, but he will never tell you the cost of not obeying God. If you're to be used in God's service, you must expect to make adjustments in your life. Can you measure the distance between the throne room of heaven and a cattle shed in Bethlehem? How far is it from the lordship of the universe to the cross? Don't be deceived into thinking that there is no cost involved in obedience. And he says, what adjustments is God asking you to make? Is life going to get hard? Absolutely, yes. I hate the lie that the church has proliferated forever, that if you just give your life to Jesus, everything will be easier. Because I don't know about you, that's not been my experience. But I can tell you this, the memories that I have that are the greatest, the things that I can look back on my life and be like, wow, look at what God just did are also the hardest moments of my life because for that moment I can't rely on myself and I give God space to work in me as we follow God as we follow his lead into the places where we are to go we will be completely surrounded and God is going to do this on purpose so that we and others around us can see that he is God and he is bigger than those circumstances I shared this week, again, this story of Bethany's cancer, and I know that y'all are probably sick of hearing it, and I'm not going to tell it again, but I shared it with a colleague that I haven't talked to in about eight months. He, we were on the phone, and he says, by the way, how's your wife? Last I heard, she was really, really sick. I said, man, she's great. Cancer's gone. He's like, you're kidding. I said, no. I said, did I tell you the story about what God told me? He's like, no. So let me tell you the story. So I did. He was blown away. And look, I'll be honest. When we were in the thick of that, even though I had that story, even though God had given me a word that Bethany was going to be okay, I still felt overwhelmed. One of the things that I continually went back to was this simple, simple little worship song. I don't know who did it originally, but it's called Surrounded. And these are the lyrics. It says, this is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. When things get hard, God is going to use you to show people what he's doing. Look, Israel again and again and again, they completely lose it. Something hard happens, they lose their minds, and God uses Moses to communicate his plan and to get people back on track. Look at verse 13 and 14. And, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. There are people around us that are going through difficult times. And they are searching for relief that God can give. And they don't know that God can give it. And it may be that God is wanting you to use you to help them see what he's doing. Most importantly, he wants us to know that God will do all the work 
of delivering His people. That's the message of this whole book is that God is the one delivering His people. Moses and Aaron aren't doing it. God is doing it, but He's using Moses and Aaron to communicate that. Remember, I'm going to say this over and over and over again. God is going to show Himself through us. But this is going to require that we pay attention to what's going on in our life and other people's lives around us. It's going to require that we are praying for them and seeking God on their behalf. And it's going to require that we are willing to communicate what God is saying to us about their circumstances. If we will follow God, people will be blown away with who he is. So here at the end, it's the big finale. God delivering Israel, okay? They've got their backs against the sea. They see the army coming. They're scared to death. Moses is like, y'all, I got this. I'm going to put my staff up in the air. Y'all watch. See what's about to happen. Okay? And Israel's like, what? And then God splits the sea and they go, oh. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember now that God's powerful. Even after all that Israel had been through with God, they still didn't trust him. Do you still struggle with trusting God when life seems to be falling apart? Is that still a hard thing for you? Israel did. They looked at their circumstances and they, they looked at what's going on around them and they panicked. And they had to rely on the faith of Moses that he had in God. And part of our role in joining God is to simply be in tune enough with God that when circumstances get crazy, we know and communicate that we are trusting God, no matter what it looks like. I remember Carrie's here the other day whenever they were giving their testimony that God told them they're going to get to keep Alyssa and then that they get a call from the social worker and says that Alyssa's going to her aunt's house and, but God keeps saying you're going to get to keep Alyssa and they're going, God, I don't see it. I trust you. I know this is what you're saying, but I don't see how it's possible. Our faith in what God is saying is going to help people see and understand who God is and how much he loves all people. They are going to get a front row seat to see what God is doing in our lives and what's going on will whet their appetite to want to discover God for themselves. Be able to say, you know, that, that thing that God just did in Kira and Kira's life, I, I want some of that. Not that they're seeking the things that God can do, but they're going to see that God is real and he's alive and he's speaking and the things that he say will happen. They get to see God complete a work that he promised. Israel this whole time is just listening to Moses and their faith is being built step by step by step and finally God completes the work that he's promised they are completely free because of who God is they are free verse 31 it says Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses Israel would not have had this experience had Moses and Aaron not done what God asked them to do. Israel would still be slaves if Moses had not been willing to do what people in his life thought was crazy. God intends for us to play that same role in others' lives. But we must be more concerned with what God is saying than what the enemy is saying. We have to be more concerned with what God is saying than what our loved ones are saying. 
Because I can tell you from experience, there have been times in my life where there was zero doubt in my mind that God was telling me to do something. And the people that I loved and respected the most told me that I was an idiot. And that's hard. But it didn't change the fact that God spoke. And I obeyed. And things didn't necessarily get easier. But God did the work that he intended to do. Israel gets a front seat to see what God is doing. He gets to see their rescuer do the same impossible things again. And look, I'm, I am super pumped about next week. Because next week in chapter 15, the first three quarters of that is just Moses and Israel worshiping God because of what he just did. I, I, and I talked with Kobe briefly about this yesterday. I, I, I'm excited about us next week getting to worship God from that same perspective. This week, I want you guys, I know that some of the life groups are doing book studies and things like this, but I want you to take a moment and ask this question. I want you to share some stories in life group. What has God done in your life that has caused you to respond in worship? We've talked about over and over and over again that all we have to share are our stories. I was talking to somebody last, last week, we were having lunch together, and I was talking about how as we share our stories and people get emotionally connected in with that and they can see themselves in their story, it gives them a handle on the truth of the gospel that they didn't have before. And the people that you've earned the right to be heard with, the people that you're doing life with, know that you're not crazy. They know that you're sincere. They know that you love the Lord. And when you can say to them, look what God is doing in my life, it's going to cause them to go, or maybe they're going through something and you're praying for them and God gives you a word and you're able to go to them and say, look, I know stuff looks crazy, but God just told me this is what he's doing. And in the moment, they may not believe you, but when God completes the work, they're going to come back to you and be like, how did you do that? And you're going to say, it wasn't me. I just asked God and God said it and I told you. And God gets the credit. And they have a new experience. Their level of faith has just stepped up just like happens in the life of Israel. I want uh, all of us to be thinking about how much God loves us this week and how much he does for us because he loves us. And I want us to come next week ready to respond, to respond in worship, to be able to together to glorify God and to sing his praises because he loves us. Not because we have to, not because the music's good, but because we can't help but do it. And look, if, if you don't have any of these stories that we've been talking about, if, you, if you're in your mind going, Will, I, this whole hearing from God thing, I don't, I don't understand how to do that. Please talk to me, talk to a life group leader, talk to a friend. This might be the, a great, not might be, this is a great week for you to discover who God is. To press in and pray and say, God, reveal yourself to me. If you are real, if you love me the way people are saying that you love me, show me. Listen, at the end of the day, God loves his people and he wants them to be known. I didn't write this message because I wanted to be like really hard on everybody and come down with a hammer and say, do your stuff. I spent a lot of time in the beginning saying that's not what I want to do. I don't want to obey the cat, okay? I'm calling you a cat, in case you didn't pick up on that. But here's what I want. I want you to be so in love with God that this is just happening. And that we just can't help but tell stories about it. 
I love it when that happens in my life. And I love it when it happens in your life. And most of all, the people that it's happening with, they love it too. God, God has called us to something bigger than we are. God has given us a task that's bigger than we are. But it's because he's the one doing the work. And we've got to quit relying on our own ability. If you're struggling, getting up in the morning, spending time with the Lord, ask God to deal with that. Like, God, I'm struggling. Help me with this struggle. Y'all, I find myself there on a daily basis. It is hard for Will to get up early. I'm going to be honest with you because I like to stay up late. That's just me. But it's important. And what I want for us is to be able to dig into God's word and see a story that we have read, that we have heard since we were children and go, whoa, look at what God was doing. There's so much in here that I didn't even address today, like all the tactical side of things, like, whoo, that gets me going. But that's not what God had for us today. God wants us to see that he, he intends to use us to be Moses and Aaron in people's lives. But we got to trust him. I entitled this, this message today, Crossing Our Red Sea, because for many of us, what we got to get past the sea that we have to cross is the views of our friends and our family and our colleagues. That's our Red Sea. Is that we have to get to a place where what God is saying to us is more important than those around us. And like Blackaby and Tozer and Oswald all talked about today, if you go back and read those things, you're going to see, they're going to point out that that's going to be difficult. And the enemy is going to use those people that you love to try to dissuade you from following God. But we have to be focused enough on him and tuned in enough to him that even when those voices come in our ears saying, this is crazy, that we have the confidence to say, no, this is God. God does crazy stuff sometimes, and I'm going to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, I just ask that you give us, first of all, just a heart for you and a heart for your people. God, it's not our desire to to be something, make a name for ourselves. We just want to know you, and we want people to know you. Father, this week I ask that you would just give us an incredible week of just remembering the things that you have done, but also giving us new experiences. And God, that you would propel us forward this week, just ready Sunday morning to come in here and to just worship you, Father, to just lay it all out before you and just join together corporately to sing about how incredible you are. Father, I pray that as we walk through our lives, that, that just as we handle business on the phone with customers, as we uh, do whatever it is that we do, Father, that, that the way we live life, the way that we interact with people would be a song of praise to you. That people would see you through the way we interact with others. And that, that people would know that you love them because you are loving them through us. But God, we've got to get out of the way. We've got to quit being worried about ourselves. And God, we need you to reveal that to us and then also to make it happen. 